Hey everybody, this is Katie with Katie's Crazy Corner. I am here today. I have a very special guest in studio with me, and I'm kind of excited about it. What I want to do is give you a backstory about how, before I even introduce him, I want to give you a backstory about how I met this man. So for me, <laughs> I was out on the town with a couple friends, and we went to dinner for a birthday party, and I had to walk down the street. I, being the only one, had to park like four blocks away. And I had to walk down the street by myself, and I was carrying this glass because it was a birthday party, so I got a like wine glass party favor, I guess. I'm walking down the street, and I turn into this parking lot, and there's this man <laughs> standing <laughs> outside another bar. And all of a sudden, I'm now mind you, again, it's dark. I'm walking through this parking lot by myself in downtown Salt Lake City. So I'm like trying to hustle as quick as I can. And this man yells, not my name, my Instagram name. So all of a sudden, all I hear is redhead for reals. And I stop in my tracks. I like, you know, I'll kind of put my shoulders down, put my head down like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. Some rando creepo guy that's yelling at me in a parking lot. And I turn around and I see this amazing person and I walk over and I introduce myself and this kind of started a very interesting relationship for the two of us and it kind of went off from there. So I have Mr. Jeremy Martin (laughs) in studio with me. Hi, Jeremy. Hello, Katie. (laughs) How are you today? I'm good. Good. So so now that the whole world knows how you met me in a random parking lot, are you feeling kind of nervous? Well, I think I need to put a clarification (laughs) out there. I wasn't just some random guy standing in a random parking lot talking to girls that walked by. Hey, do I know you? Do I follow you on social media? I was actually working at the bar in the place in which you were crossing into <laughs> to get your car so <laughs> okay my my version was way better though so yeah but you're correct we, he was working and he saw me pass through this parking lot so from there him and i have been able to build this relationship and and listening to his story and and the things that he's been through he's actually written a book and i'm gonna let him kind of explain and give the title of this book but before i do I literally read this book in one night, okay? Like, I was fascinated. I was sucked into it. And for me, it helped me see so many things. So what I want you to do, Jeremy, is I want you to kind of give a little background about the book, obviously the title of the book. And then I want to get into your story a little bit more. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay. (laughs) It's a little bit weird to call myself an author. It's something that I never thought I would do. But here we are. There's a lot of pictures and coloring crowns that come with the book. No, I'm just kidding. It's it's not <laughs> it's not that little me? kid of a book. <laughs> wait, wait. Okay, first of all though, did you just say crown? Crowns, yeah. Okay. It's a crayon. But anyways, okay. that's that's a discussion for another time. So <laughs> go ahead. Keep going. So um, getting back to the book. The <laughs> book is actually titled Behind the Mask. And the reasoning behind that is is the the premise of the book is based off of a well a lot of life experiences but a portion in the book from Deepak Chopra the seven spiritual laws of success Mm -hmm. and in the first law of success that he talks about he goes and illustrates different topic talking points or topics about ego and how ego really is our social mask that we wear Mm -hmm. 
And so as I dug into that and did a lot of research and then even going through my own experiences of kind of waking up and getting into my own authenticity, it really made sense and it was more prevalent for me to see how many of us walk around with these masks on that we have. And, you know, masks for work, masks for social activities, masks of who we think we're supposed to be for different people and so forth. And so the book Behind the Mask talks about really the different characteristics of ego and understanding what it really is versus just someone who is egotistical or overly confident or narcissistic. And so the premise of the book is kind of share my exploration on the topic of ego and through the things that I've experienced in my life and how that unfolded and helped me understand those concepts and principles. And then also sharing my experience of really getting to a space of finding my own authenticity Mm -hmm. and pushing past and challenging those masks that I carried uh, that were so, you know, relevant in my life. So that's really the the premise of the book is is talking about, you know, the social masks that we wear, what defines and what determines the masks that we put on. And then once we discover those things, how can we step into our own authenticity and discover what's really behind the mask itself and who we are as, as people? Okay, so while I'm reading this book, now mind you, it's middle of the night that I have read the entirety of this book on my own. And as I'm reading, I realized a lot of different things. So for me, after my domestic situation that I was in and I left, I went through a phase where, okay, a really long phase (laughs) where I tried to fit in with different situations. I dated people and I tried to conform to who they were. So when I read your book, it helped me understand that literally that was me putting on different masks to understand and to be able to cope with the situation that I was in instead of being authentic to who I was and who I want to be or any of those things that I was trying to fit into a mold that somebody else thought I should be in. So thank you, A, for helping me see those things in a different way, right? Um, When you're in it, you don't understand it. But reading it, it really, truly opened my eyes to a lot of things. But for you, I want to know where did this whole... I want to go back to the beginning. A, you kind of talked about why you started writing your book. But I want to know what what point was it this aha in your life that you wanted to truly share what you had found to be able to help other people well um the first part of my book talks about the breaking point and i you know i think in my early 30s um i was at this pivotal point in my life where i was miserable Mm -hmm. i remember waking up on my 32nd birthday i believe it was and realizing that i had no clue of who i was i was in uh, uh relationship that was in complete turmoil. I was very unhappy with my career. I was unhappy with myself. I just was in this this space of what's the point? Right? Why why are we here? What's going on? Why life has definitely turned not turned out the way that I had expected or thought it would be. And so at that point in time, like I was I was in the midst of addiction um trying to you know constantly you know I know that you've had some people on here that talk about addiction and 
that you've worked in that field and industry. So anyone who has been in any sort of addictive patterns or addictive behaviors knows that when you're in the middle of it, you really are just doing everything to survive day in and day out and not get caught or not, you know, try to, to dodge and weave and, and just literally survival. So I was doing that. And then again, I was <clears throat> in a relationship that, uh, I was married with children and so forth. And so the, that relationship was just, it was all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I talk about this in the book and, and being open and transparent and honest. Like I was in the midst of, you know, stepping into uh, an extramarital affair because of the unhappiness and where I was at and then the turmoil and everything that was going on within the relationship itself. And so as everything came crashing down, I did have the affair. Was at the point of losing my family, losing my, I mean, work. Everything was just about ready to crash. I ended up getting into a an addiction recovery program. And it was a, it was like a, it wasn't like an inpatient thing, but it was one that was a, a few months that it took. So you would go daily to yeah. this? Mm, no, I wouldn't go daily, but we had weekly sessions and so okay. forth. And, and there was it was basically one where you go with your um, your spouse or your partner if you're together. But they have programs within this program for the addict and then for the people that are, the, that are with the addict, right? Whether yeah. it's partnership or family, just to learn how to, to deal with addiction and so forth. Yeah. So as I went through this program... Um, I had to do a bunch of different exercises that really started for the first time to open my eyes to patterns and things that have happened through the course of my life from a young kid all the way up to that point in my life. And seeing those patterns and seeing those experiences and being able to talk about them and then also not only that but seeing other people going through the same things and have similar patterns and similar experiences, it really helped me to be willing to open up more versus always hiding and staying and keeping everything secret. And one of the experiences was I had to write a letter to the addict. Mm-hmm. And no, that, no, that being to yourself, right? The yeah. addict side of yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I write a letter to the addict, which they, in this program, they talked about how the, the addiction isn't defining who we are. It's a behavior and it's a pattern of behavior. And there's a, there's a, you know, there's like an addict side of us that pushes us to do these things, right? To be in these addictive behaviors and patterns. So as I'm writing this letter, literally trembling as I'm writing in this whole thing and tell, and expressing my hatred for the addict, for the behavior, for the addiction, for the, my life and, and everything that's happened up to this point, it really kind of opened my eyes to understanding the difference between true self and ego self okay right there's different forms and people talk differently Deepak Chopra talks and uses different terminologies for this uh, Oprah Winfrey talks a little bit about this in different different formats and so forth um, but there's there's this kind of differentiation in psyche between our ego self or our shadow self mm-hmm. and who we truly are our true nature right that innocent being that is born and coming into this world is, is very innocent. So as I went down that path of writing that letter and really kind of challenging that, and then a few years later is when I read that book by Deepak Chopra, from, and it was recommended to me from a, a person at work, it just made sense and everything clicked. And so I was able to kind of cross-reference a lot of my experiences and understanding how that's impacted from ego 
and then how I can let go of ego to be more authentically me. And when we're more authentic, we're, we're so much happier. We're so much more fulfilled. We have a clearer understanding of really the true essence of, of who we are versus basing all of our ideas, our belief systems, our values, uh, statements, and beliefs about who we are and what we're valued as off other people's opinions of who we are. Okay. So basically what you're saying, <laughs> this is amazing to me, is that finding your true self or losing your ego is basically a part of you being able to own your story Absolutely. and every portion of who you are, mm-hmm. which is amazing. And I love that, which is what I'm huge on, right? That's part of what the show is, is to be able to own your story, own your worth, own your value, as somebody once told me that I'm mm-hmm. still learning and working on. And so for me, that's that's very fascinating that there's so many different ways to look at it and to have you sit here and, and explain these things to me and relate it to my verbiage. It's, it's pretty fascinating. So you did all of this. You went through the addiction recovery program, and then you wrote this book, which you just, when, about when did you start writing this book? I was going to say it was like last year, right? So 2019? No, the book actually started in uh, about 2017. Okay. But just finished beginning basically. Well, the, the last part or the last page written was in 2018, December, but then through a year of editing, okay. revisions, trying to get the cover right, <laughs> which has been a headache in itself. Um, I, the book just recently released in February of 2020. So, okay. But there is one point, if you kind of going back to what you just said about owning my story, mm-hmm. when I went through that process, and you're absolutely right, I'm someone that, again, I, I open up a little bit and share it, and I will continue to do so, as I'm sure as the, <laughs> I get invites for these type of <laughs> forums to discuss and, and share. But So growing up as a kid, I was sexually abused at five years old. I was physically abused. You know, I've experienced every type of abuse there is. There's five types of, of abuse that we go through. And so growing up and at that time, right, when I was going through this recovery process and going through this addiction recovery program, I really had that question of why me? Why did I have to go through all these things? Mm-hmm. And I didn't own it because at that point in time, I was I was just a victim. Like there were things that happened that I didn't have control over. And yes, to some extent, that's very true because what five-year-old can stop, you know, that from happening when it's being done from somebody that's older. But it really came down to understanding the purpose of why that happened. Mm-hmm. And to taking ownership of a life that, yeah, that was dealt some difficult hands, some very challenging experiences, uh, being in a relationship at that time, you know, that wasn't healthy at all, that was very toxic. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what were the things that, what were the belief systems that I had that allowed me to stay in those types of situations, scenarios? What were the belief systems that I had about myself that held me back from really flourishing and letting go or understanding those things and and progressing from them? Mm-hmm. I was I was stuck because of the fact that, you know, all these things that had led up to that. You're absolutely right when it comes down to understanding ego is to taking ownership of our lives. And mm-hmm. it's also understanding why things happen to us. Yes. And the bigger, broader picture of the purpose and the learning and the lessons behind that, mm-hmm. as well as the impact. 
I think for now, like for me and what I do now and as a professional coach and, and impacting people's lives and helping them, one of the things that I feel is a gift I've been given because of my life and because of my experiences is because, or is that I can sit down with someone who has been in the darkest of moments mm-hmm. and that has ex- experienced so much in life and I can get to that place with them yep. because I've been there. And I can sit down and I can say, I know exactly where you're at. Here's my experiences. And I can I can be and meet them at that level, which in turn, whenever we feel we're not alone, always gives hope. Mm-hmm. Always allows more strength to come into play. And so owning your story and being in a situation where you can you can meet somebody where they're at in the darkest of times allows them and allows you to grow from that so which is incredible because that's why we're here that's why katie's crazy corner was born basically was it's a message of hope and having people sit here and interview and even talking to you like i see a different side of you and and somewhere somebody is going to hear this and relate to it and and understand where you've been and what you've been through and see who you were versus where you are and that's a hope and a light that those people need to see so i'm going to go back there a little bit because you touched on it a little bit and you know me i'm going to (laughs) dig so yeah you're welcome i read again i read your book and i and i wasn't going to bring anything up i was going to let you do it but i'm stubborn and do it anyways (laughs) so you you touched a little bit on um, being sexually abused as a child now I know a lot of people that I have spoken with that have been through hard situations. So um, I'm going to stick with both, mostly domestic violence. From what I understand, a lot of victims or things that way were also um, sexually abused as children. Um, so I I kind of want to know a little bit more about that. And uh, and again, I know you go into it in your book, and I know I, we want people to read your book. I get that, mm-hmm. but I want you to touch on it a little bit because I I think that's a really important thing that nobody really talks about and it it really does connect with everything because once you feel so ashamed right that that's happened and you shut down and you don't speak about it until later on in your life it gives you the same mentality so when you're abused you you literally do the same thing you hold it in you're you're ashamed you you know you shouldn't speak about it so i want to go back a little bit into that time frame in your life and then go forward back to your addiction recovery program and see how that helped speaking about it so explain to me when you were five what happened okay so I'll try to be as PG as possible when explaining <laughs> what's going on. But So at five years old, I remember there was an older boy that lived across the street. And I was a very outgoing child. I'd make friends everywhere I went. You know, so I started playing with this kid. And he was, I, I don't remember the age, but I remember he was probably twice as tall as I was. So he was a lot older. Anyway, so one thing led to another, you know, tag to hide and go seek to all of a sudden let's play this game and then it was you know pull down pants and then start fondling and then doing things and led to uh, oral and then all of a sudden next thing you know we're and there was another little girl that lived down the block from us that would come and play and I think she was just like a year or two older than me so we were younger and then this kid was older then the next thing you know we ended up in the house and I remember the house always being dark and musky and and the dad would always be on the couch and there were these 
movies that he was watching and there was a lot of different sounds coming from these movies and there were naked people and so then he would have the three of us basically get in positions and not act like do the actual acts but to pretend to do the acts of these it was obviously pornography that he was viewing yeah but being a young kid like i have no idea that that was the case and that lasted for um lasted for a while like a i think a a year or two and then then we moved away and then from there i remember obviously that was my experience and and so when we'd play and they'd call that house you know when i moved away like that's what i thought house was so that was yeah. part of playing house and i remember one time i was i was babysitting so now i'm like seven almost eight years old and i was babysitting my little brother and and sister and my parents were like hey we're gonna go take a nap don't don't come in like just let us take a nap and, and yeah. back in those days they have these the door knobs that had the hole in the middle you just stick like a nail or a body, <laughs> body pin, pin yeah <laughs> in there to open it up and i remember my little brother kept crying and crying and crying and he was like four at this time or maybe even younger than that and i like i couldn't get him to stop and i'm like hey but i knew and i was petrified to go and knock on the door because my father would get upset and probably smack me around so I went and got the bobby pin and maybe I can get my mom's attention and and get her to come out and help and so I opened the you know so I opened the door unlock it open it and peek in and my mom's laying on my dad naked so mm-hmm. obviously we know what nap time was yeah and so for me that solidified what I had experienced as oh okay well that's what my parents do so then that must be normal so then yeah. from there like that type of pattern of behavior went on for the next few years of playing house and playing house with sisters and they were girls and and this and that and then I remember one time all of a sudden you know and I think I was like 10 or 11 years old or something like that and we're downstairs and I built a fork and we're playing house and my little brother runs upstairs and I think I don't know what happened there was some communication that transpired and my mom found out and she comes running downstairs saying you sick son of a bitch you bastard get your hands off her you know yeah um how dare you touch her like that and at that point in time like i just felt sick yeah and so then we go to a counselor and then you know it was a huge deal i still didn't really fully understand and my parents didn't know that i had been sexually abused and shown that stuff they just thought that i was that was you i was perverted yeah you know and so then I thought, I thought something was wrong with me. Yeah. And so from that point forward, I carried that shame on a lot into every relationship, into everything that I had. And one of the, one of the uh, parts or characteristics of ego is, is seeking validation. And then another characteristic of ego is living in fear. So I was constantly living in fear that I was never going to be enough or someone truly saw who I was, which I was this sick son of a bitch, this bastard. Yeah. If they saw that side of me, then I would never be loved. And so then that went into a lot more masks and being really good at masks and have certain masks at certain times and yeah. really dodging and never being authentic and so therefore never being enough. So obviously growing up and getting into relationships and into you know marriage with that faulty core belief and then even just through my career and through life, there was always that stemming back to that time as a young kid of being put in a position that I didn't understand I accepted as that's what was normal yeah. so 
and then also to believe that I was an abuser. So it's interesting because in my life I feel that I was abused, and then because of that experience I feel I was abuser. Yeah. Which talk about shame, talk about pain, talk about guilt. It's taken me a lot of a lot of hard years to work through that to really get to the point to forgive myself and own that part of it and saying that was part of the lessons. Yeah. So at what point was there ever a time where your mom learned had what you'd gone through? Like is when I was 32 and in the addiction <laughs> recovery program. And that's when she found out. Mm-hmm. So you wrote everything that you had been through and done or basically your life mm-hmm. from being a little kid when you can remember to that recovery program. Was this recovery program something that you chose to do? Were you shamed to feel like you needed to? Like, I don't, I don't know the right word to pick here. Were you doing it for yourself? Were you doing it for somebody else at that point? And, and and now I know after the fact, like you're grateful for it and you've learned and you've owned that part. But beforehand going into it, were you going into it like open-minded? Like, yeah, I'm totally going to go do this. Or was it, a, oh my gosh, I have to do this because of something else? Well, when you're at the point of literally staring down a cliff and saying, okay, well, I can jump to my end. Mm-hmm because everything behind me is crumbling and falling apart. Or there's this like rope hanging from who knows where that you can hop onto. (laughs) You know, I was at the point literally in my life that I was ready to give up, to just be done with everything. Um, I was even so afraid that I I didn't know if I considered suicide, but I was just done. Like I was at the point of rock bottom where I couldn't do another day. I couldn't couldn't live another year. I couldn't keep going through the same cycles and patterns and experiences. Like I was done. So the way that I got into the program wasn't probably ideal, but it was necessary to the point of I was willing to try anything at that point in time. I'd done counseling before and, you know, I was part of a religion for a period of my life where it was very shaming and controlling and and I did counseling through that and you know went through many sessions with leadership to try to repent and be better and do all these things however it just nothing ever worked I felt like I was a devil spawn (laughs) for lack of better terms but that's really what it came down to like I felt like I was just this evil you know you see those movies of these kids that are born with just pure evil in them and that's what I felt like I was so at that point in time I was willing to take a look at anything that gave me any sort of hope okay and that did yeah at the time at the time so now with what I mean and again you you talk about it in your book so I don't want to give everything away (laughs) but I know now like you um, have found a different outlet for what you do right so you are a very influential person a lot of people look to you for direction and guidance as you said um, with what you're doing but I also know that you have another passion in your life and that would be basketball (laughs) (laughs) so I know you grew up in that and that was your happy space at the time. So with what you're doing, do you see children that are in your, that you're coaching or whatever it is exactly that you do? Do you see children that are doing or have the same traits of things that you were feeling when you were that age? Oh, 
while. That's a good question. I don't know if I've ever really... I don't think that I've, I experience or see kids that are going through that now. I know that, you know, my experiences growing up has helped me be a better father for the most part. Mm-hmm. I think early on, you know, there's no handbook on how to be a parent, so you kind of got to go through <laughs> definitely the trial not. and everything. <laughs> and there's sometimes where I'm like, hey, that wasn't my finest moment as a parent. But mm-hmm. I think that having a different perspective, that I was more cognizant and, and conscientious of, of scenarios and situations. But I think for me, I really do tie in when I do train kids in basketball and when I work with youth. I really do try to tie in the message of what the book is and and how to understand what ego is. And and I think one of the things is, for me, my my masks came in as a saving grace. Mm -hmm. Ego swoops in at a time where we usually experience some sort of trauma in our life. Mm -hmm. And the, if you're being called from a parent, you know, you stupid idiot, right? Ego comes and says, well, you're not broken or wrong, but you may not be smart. So, but you're really funny. So instead of being smart, and because you're not smart, be the class clown. Yeah. And so there's the first mask. Mm-hmm. For me, it was hard because, like at that time, is when I very first started playing basketball. When my mom found out and everything came out, and so instead of being like the perverted son. I really grasped onto basketball, but I loved playing basketball, but it gave me refuge. It gave me peace. It gave me an identity. It gave me safety. And so growing up, playing it, throwing myself into life and and really enjoying enjoying it, but then also using that to drive me and motivate me. And I was, you know, I was very successful in basketball. Um, You know, played all the way through college, had some offers to play international basketball, and now teaching and coaching my kids like I have two kids that have received full ride basketball scholarships and that are playing in college now my son's on his way there and my baby girl she's just full of life and <laughs> wants to do anything and everything but is non-committal to any one thing so which is a true teenage girl <laughs> yeah so <laughs> but uh but for the most part like I've been basketball has been very good to me but I do really use that also as another tool to help educate and teach kids that Basketball should never be an identity for you. Mm-hmm. It should just be something that you do. But then here are the bigger lessons of life. And okay. I don't know if that answers your question that you're asking. It but didn't. That's but where that's I fine. went for now. <laughs> you sidestepped that question <laughs> hardcore. But that's fine. At one point, we'll get the we'll get you back on here and we'll ask you again. But so you said in there, you had this moment um, with everything where you asked why why you were going through what you went through. Now, for me, I had that moment too, and I know I've spoken about it before where I was in a courtroom and I said, this is really hard, right? Like, especially looking at you, this is really hard. So for me, I was in a courtroom and I'd been to court many, many, many times for my ex battling for really just a divorce. And there was a moment in there where I literally I had everything taken away from me and I never did anything like in okay my side I had never done anything wrong so I was by the book I was at court I did what the court asked me to do you know they wanted me to pay for a cell phone for him to call me you know when that's not my responsibility to do and so every time I went to court I left feeling like a victim 
and and to me i don't like that word anymore i'm not a victim and i don't do the victim stance i'm not and i'm i'm a thriver i'm not a victim but when i left one of these court days i asked the same question i sat in a room and i bawled my eyes out and i asked why i don't know who i was asking i don't know who i was yelling at i don't know you know people tell you all the time when you're growing up that god gives the toughest battles to the strongest people and at my time in my life right then i was so angry that I had to feel all of that pain by myself. Well, this man who's caused that pain, yes, he was in jail, but at the same point, he was walking out with a smile on his face because I had everything cast down on me when I didn't do anything. So for me, that was asking why in that moment was very, very hard for me to get any clarity, and it took me a lot of years. I want to know for you, when, when... (laughs) And I know it was in your book again, but was it when you started writing your book that you figured out that why? Why did everything happen? Was there something earlier in your relationships or whatever where you realized where you were going and you kind of just, you know, ponged it out, you know, with your hand, like, go away, I'm casting you aside. <laughs> like, I want to know. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> I, I totally just pictured Pong too, and it was amazing. From Atari, sorry, side note, super amazing. But for me, it took me a long time to get to my why, and it's been, geez, just these last few years where I've finally figured that out, and here we are. Like, I know I went through what I went through to be able to sit here with you and say, this is where I've been, and share this message of hope. But I'm curious from somebody else's perspective is if you ever saw that in your story, in your journey, while you went through everything, that there was like this glisten of, okay, but then you were so stuck where you were? Or was it all at one time when you were like, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do? Like I said, I wish it was that easy. And and this part I actually did not necessarily share in the book. So when I went through that addiction recovery program, uh, got out of it things were like okay for a little bit of time but again like it's it's very tough to change a pattern of life and I you know I struggled I fell back into addictive patterns I actually had another affair that uh, really broke broke me fully this time where the first time it was like well it's you know we were we were separated and it was like you know, it, we, we, were, we were going through already hard times. So there's like a little bit more justifiable, I guess, but nothing's really justifiable. Like I take full ownership of that. But the second time, it's like, okay, I had gone through this process. I'd been there. I know the pain that it had caused. And why did I get back to this place? So I actually went backwards. I went forward after the recovery. I went backwards. And during that time, like, again there was all this new information that was coming in and I was still trying to learn. I was still trying to grasp it. I was still trying to understand it. I had read that part about ego a few years prior, but I didn't settle in until that time frame because I'm like, okay, why did I keep going back to this? And at that time, I didn't understand that that was ego. I just knew that there was this addict self, right? This was a shadow self. Mm -hmm. So... Through the course of the, that time frame and then experiencing that and then coming out of that, I really got to your point. I was angry. I got angry. I got angry at God. I got angry at any sort of religious beliefs. I got angry at the church that I was with. Like I got angry at everything. I got angry to my parents. I got angry at life. I really just got mad. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember one day just saying, you know what? 
fuck everything and fuck everybody. I don't care. Censored. Sorry. No, you're fine. <laughs> I don't care who, like, at this point in time, I don't believe in God. I don't, I have to just completely detach and I have to be me because there are so many shaming beliefs that I had been holding on to that impacted and influenced my actions. And I had to stop and say, okay, this is not who I am. Mm-hmm. I know it. I don't know necessarily who I am, but this is not who I am. Yeah. And so I, I got on this path of, of kind of, I remember I was like detached from everything and, and I was in this corporate meeting and and this gal that uh, was there and, and I was working on a committee with her for a career development and she was a, a Gallup Strength certified trainer. And so one of the tools that I use is the Strength Finders. Mm-hmm. assessment which is a personality assessment and so i loved picking her brain and learning more about things that she understood and, and and it was just an area of interest for me and i remember one day she looks at me she says jeremy she goes i have to tell you your aura is beautiful <laughs> i smelled my armpits and said my what <laughs> i said i am wearing cologne today and i i bathed but i had no idea what that was or ever heard of that before and she goes no it's your aura and i'm like what are you talking about and she says it's your energy that that is around you mm-hmm. that was one of the first times that all of a sudden someone complimented something about me mm-hmm. and saw something deeper than just what i was putting out at least in my mind. They saw under your mask. Yeah. The true you. Say saw something. I'm not quite, you know. <laughs> I understand now what it is, but before I was like, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're crazy. <laughs> but what I will say is at that time, something inside of me leapt. Like my heart jumped. Something about that specific topic made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. So then I started, and again, I'm at the space of trying to open up and say, okay, I need to discover everything. And so at that time, like, I just started researching what auras are, and then all of a sudden you stumble into energy, and then you stumble into spirituality, and everyone being connected, and there are certain elements of that that I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not quite sure, but then there are other elements that really connected with me. Mm-hmm. Well, then I started working with, fast forward, I kind of got more inundated into that world, and then I started working with a, a person that was a healer. And she did a lot of energy work and so forth, and that made sense to me, and that helped me really start to release a lot of these chains of shame and guilt and and just oppression from behaviors and then actions and then things that have happened to me. And I remember asking, breaking down, bawling in tears, saying, why did I have to go through these things? Like, if, if I have this, this light about me, mm-hmm. and I know that my heart, because growing up I fought for bullied kids. I fought to stand up for people that were were being abused. I cared genuinely about people all the time. Yeah. But yet there was this dark element of my life. Why? That doesn't, for me, that was a huge contradiction and that was a huge battle internally. And I do mention that, talk about that in my book, that there was this huge battle all the time inside. And so at that moment, I'm like, why did this happen to me? Why, why did I have to experience this? And in a moment, she just said in a soft voice, have you ever thought that you had to go through this experience because you were strong enough to in order to get through it? Mm-hmm. And that later on in life, when someone needed you, needed someone to understand what they were going through, 
that you will actually be able to be there to help them. So he's totally making me cry right now, just so you know. But keep going. (laughs) And so at that moment in time when I stopped and I thought about that, there was this huge calming that came over me and helping me understand that the things that I went through, the pain that I experienced was something that I was able to get through and with the hope that in the future I will be able to help other people. Whether they have... He's crying too, (laughs) just so we're all aware. (laughs) I'm not the only one crying in here. (laughs) Um, But just to have that light of hope, and I think that's where we've had so many conversations, you and I, Katie, about, you know, that little shimmer of hope in the darkest of times. And being in a pitch black room, what one little match can do to the room. Mm -hmm. That's what helped me all of a sudden really change and turn things around in my life and say, this was for something. Mm -hmm. And it matters. And it's time to share it. Well, I appreciate you being here and sharing. Even though you made me cry, (laughs) I still appreciate you being here and sharing with me. Because, again, that's, that's what this is about. And that's why I was so drawn to your book and your message and the thing that you're doing and why I wanted you here was because I do see that in you also. And with my story and the places I've been and the things I've been through, and I've shared a lot with you. And to be able to sit here and own every part of it and be that light and that hope for anybody who's willing to listen is an amazing thing. And I appreciate you partaking in that with me today. But well, thanks for having me. <laughs> now, that, now that we're both crying, this is my favorite part. I'm, and I'm I'm not going to ask you any more in depth questions today. I'm Thank I'm, <laughs> I'm going to wait for the next time because huh. I, I sense there will be another book from you here. But this part of it, I'm going to give you sixty seconds, and I want you to do a shout out, sing and dance, which is my vote. I think you should sing and dance. But shout out, say whatever you want, and not, not, we'll, we'll reach the technical stuff after it. Right now, I want you to de- dig deep down into your heart, and I want you to give a shout out or say whatever it is that you want to say for the people that are listening to this right now. Oh, geez. <laughs> Hardest I question. I thought you were going to ask me any hard, in depth <laughs> questions again. Here's what I would say. I think if I could just send one message out to anybody and everybody in the world. Each and every one of us has brilliance and magnificence that lies within ourselves. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people talking about kings and queens and titles and this and that. But the reality of it is, is that you yourself are absolutely amazing, beautiful, magnificent, in your own right and who you are. We live in a society that doesn't teach us how to discover who we are. We go through life just conforming to educational rules and regulations and systems and trying to fit into boxes and categories that other people find happiness in. But what I would say is, and I think it goes back to what Steve Harvey talks about, is he says there's two great works that we have in this world The first work is to discover the gift that we have to offer the world. And I promise you, each and every one of you has a gift. There's something that you do 
that impacts the world and makes it a better place. Discover what that is. The second thing he says the great work is is to how figure out how to offer that gift to the world. And I truly believe that as we discover that, that's where our value continues to grow. But most often we get lost in trying to be in something that we're not or have a gift that someone else has and adopt that because that's what we see as being great. But find out what you have, the impact that you can make on other people's lives. And at the end of the day, as you share it, your life will be fulfilled. You will be fulfilled. The world will be a better place. And that's really what value is. Okay, we're supposed to make me cry again. And that was super deep. So thank you. Um, now, the next hard question is if anybody listening to this wants to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Okay, so... Um, Jeremy Martine is spelled J-E-R-A-M-I-E. <laughs> it's not Jeremy or Jerome or Jeremiah, but J-E-R-A-M-I-E. Last name is M-A-R-T-I-N. I am of Hispanic descent, so it's pronounced Martine. Uh, you can find me on social media. But then also my coaching consulting firm is called Self Alchemist. So you can find me at www.selfalchemist.biz, B-I-Z. And then also if you're interested in the book, you can find the book on Amazon and Kindle right now, and I'm working on the audio book, and that'll be out shortly. So, Which he's reading himself, ladies and gentlemen, which <laughs> is going to be amazing because I could just sit and listen to his voice all day. It's super calming. So definitely get the audio version so you can just hear him read the book. But okay, so on there, and then also you said you did the the life coaching and stuff like that so people can get a hold of you for those things through selfalchemist.biz or your Facebook page. Correct. Is there a Self-Alchemist Facebook page as well? Oh, uh, there is. Okay, so they can find you either way. Yes. Okay. Self-Alchemist <laughs> uh, looks at Self-Alchemist, all one word, and then selfalchemist.biz. So those are the two places. Okay, perfect. So everybody, I suggest you go get this book and you read it and learn it and own it because truly it really does help you see a different side of yourself which is amazing but for now that's katie's crazy corner and you guys can you can find me online katie's crazy corner.com or facebook as well remember everybody to share kindness with everybody and love with your whole heart and katie's crazy corner will be back again another day 